Alright, so we will begin uh, chapter 51, Sai Satcharitra, a narration of the accounts of three devotees. My obeisance to Sri Ganesh, to Sri Saraswati, to Sri Guru Maharaj, to the family deity, to Sri Sita Ramachandra, my most humble obeisance, I bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru Sri Sainath. Glory to you, O Sai, the mainstay of the devotees and greatest among the gurus that you are, who explains the significance of the Gita and gives all the siddhis to the devotees, bestowing favours on me. To cool the heat there grows sandalwood on the Malayagiri, or to comfort people in the world rain the cloud on this earth, or the flower booms in spring so that the gods may be worshipped, or again a series of tales, fables and parables comes into existence to bring contentment to the listeners. The listeners who listen to the narrator who narrates are both sacred. The ears of one who listens becomes purified and so does the speech of one who narrates. In the last chapter, an exposition of the stanza, learn that by humble reverence etc. was given to point out how knowledge appears when ignorance is dispelled. At the end of the Bhagavad Gita in stanza 72 at the end of chapter 18, Sri Krishna says to Arjun, Has the exposition that has been given so far dispelled thy distraction or thought caused by ignorance? Such was the clear question. He did not ask, have you gained knowledge? Everybody has this idea that you gain knowledge from scriptures or you gain knowledge from external sources. But like we have found out that knowledge is actually not external. Knowledge is internal. The self is effulgent inside. The self is within us and that self is self-effulgent by itself. It is bright by knowledge itself. So what happens is, this self which is effulgent on its own. See, uh, let us say for example, I will give you an idea about effulgence. Now, we are seeing two things with our eyes. Now what are these two things that we are watching with our eyes? First one is we are watching moon and the second one now we are watching the sun. Now if you are asked this question, what can you see up there? So you will say there is a moon up there. So now how is the moon visible to you? It is visible because light from the sun falls on the moon then only it is made visible. So moon by itself doesn't have any light of its own. So it is not effulgent on its own. It has effulgence which is called the borrowed effulgence. So it is borrowing the effulgence yeah, from the sun. Now if I ask you what is the other thing object that you see then you will say it's the sun. Now the sun is visible why? Because it has its own effulgence, it creates its own energies and the powers. So it is visible. So suppose if I take a torch and look at the sun, do you think I will be able to see the sun? No way. You cannot show the torch to the sun. The torch will not even, you know, it will be fika. You can't say that you can point the torch to the sun. Now understand this, the self is like the sun. The self doesn't need any other external light. Light is equal to knowledge. So, self is self-effulgent. 
अंडरस्टैंड दिस इट्स लाइक द सन इट इज सेल्फ एफलजेंट इट गिवस द लाइट ऑन इट्स ओन द नॉलेज कम्स फ्रॉम विथ इन इट्स सेल्फ सो इट डजेंट नीड एनी एक्सटर्नल सोर्स फॉर नॉलेज दैट इज द रीजन वाई कृष्णा सेज इन द लास्ट वर्स हैज द एक्सपोजिशन दैट हैज बीन गिवन सो फार डिस्पेल्ड द डिस्ट्रैक्शन ऑफ थाट कॉज बाई इग्नोरेंस सो यू हैव रिमूव द इग्नोरेंस रिमूव द इग्नोरेंस एंड ईज द नॉलेज नाव सेल्फ एफलजेंट सो दिस इज एन एग्जाम्पल विच यू कैन यूज द मून एंड द सन सो बॉडी इज लाइक द मून वी हैव बॉरोड एफलजेंस इन द बॉडी so whatever study that we do of all the fat fat books which we do in the college and the school is a borrowed knowledge which we have taken from somewhere outside which is not going to be remaining with us so that knowledge we will say it perishes you will find that that knowledge doesn't remain with us after a few years so that knowledge is gone it is disappeared completely if you ask somebody can you solve this i say archimedes equation bole archimedes who is he i don't remember oh of course of course so the one who who went inside the bath tub okay okay now i remember but i am sorry i have forgotten the equation i don't know what happens but i think i can tell you the story so this is something which we are not in a position to understand whereas the knowledge of the self is on its own very bright so krishna does not say these words have you gained knowledge knowledge is like moon no we are gaining from outside but there is nothing like moon we are self effulgent we have knowledge within us no guru can teach you anything from outside no book can teach you anything from outside that is the spiritual knowledge the spiritual knowledge is within you that is why it is called spiritual it is of the spirit okay and similar has been the acknowledgement given by parth who said destroyed is my delusion and recognition has been gained by me through thy grace he did not say that knowledge has been gained but only that maya has been destroyed maya is the covering the false covering that is there when maya goes away we see the objects as they are okay the objects as they are in the sense what happens to the brahmanyani the brahmanyani understands the objects now there is a very big difference between understanding the object and trying to do something about it the brahmanyani is a person who knows and understands the object he doesn't do anything the doership is with karmic people those who do something about it see understand this now if there is a problem you take care of the problem isn't it in our material world if there is a paucity of money what do you do you will go and earn money if there if you have less water at home you will go and buy water from somewhere so when you have something less you go and buy that object from there so now this is what the person a brahmanyan doesn't even bother about that he is as it is i will give you one very beautiful story now now what happened once upon a time is the guru of 
Shivaji Maharaj. You know, you, you have heard of this person, Swami Samarth. Okay, Ram, Samarth Ramdas. So I will tell you about him. One moment. <clears throat> now Samarth Ramdas was one day going to meet his Shishya. His Shishya's name was Shivaji. Shivaji was a great king. Now he had an assistant with him. That means his closest disciple was there. Now this disciple was a person who always used to follow the Guru wherever he went. So while they were walking and coming near the fort of Shivaji Maharaj, at that point in time it so happened that the, the, the particular person, his disciple, he felt very hungry. And because he felt very hungry, it so happened that they were going through a cornfield. Cornfield? You know that uh, corn is there, sweet corn is there. So he was going through the cornfield. So he tells his Guru, Guru, I am very hungry. So Guru says, we are just near the fort of Shivaji Maharaj. So don't worry about it. We will go and we will have enough food over there. So at that point in time, he looks at the cornfield and he says, Oh, there is corn over there. Guruji, can I eat the corn? So Guruji says to him, No, you cannot eat the corn. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the farmer who owns that land. And at that time, Samartha Ramdas goes for a, a bath in a river. Now he has to enter the town, isn't it? So at that time he enters the waters. Now the farmer is watching from far. You know farmers they have that thing on their hand. Huh? And they drive away those uh, crows and all that. All the so, so he is using that thing and standing very far. And he watches this fellow. He is robbing some corn and he is roasting it over there. <laughs> the moment he sees you roasting over there. He immediately comes with that big long, uh, you know, what they drive the crows away and he starts beating this fellow. Now, Samartha Ramdas used to look like a complete jungly person, okay? So, he comes out of the water. <laughs> now, and so, when he looks at this person, he says, Oh, who do you think you are? So, he says, I am a great person and all that. Something he says. This farmer gets very angry. He takes that and beats him up. So finally, after beating him, uh, beating Samartha Ramdas that much, he goes away. Now, Ramdas says to this fellow, Why did you have to do this? It is not proper. Now, all the time when the person was hitting Ramdas, Ramdas is just sing singing and laughing away to glory. So he doesn't know what is happening. So finally it so happens that that farmer goes away and these people are just walking. At that time the spies of Shivaji Maharaj, you know, they, they are going all over the place. They see the guru of Shivaji Maharaj over there in the field. Now he used to behave completely like a you know, jungle. He means uh, some uh, long hair and you know, very funny, you know, very uh, funny type of an attire and all that. He would carry one stick for his hand to be held like this. In ancient times, you know, all these uh, sticks they would keep 
uh, so that their hands were held and then they would do like this so <laughs> that stick is there with him and everybody is laughing at him because he's got welts on his back so when shivaji maharaj comes to know that his guruji is in the field over there he brings hundreds of elephants and horses and people and baja gaja and everybody and he comes to meet his guruji and then he sees the guruji over there and uh, carries you know takes him in a palanquin and the palanquin is carried by the maharaja he takes his guru to his place then he starts giving him a bath now before this what has happened is guruji has told this fellow his assistant even if maharaj or anybody asks don't tell him what happened okay nobody all those marks are there on the back don't tell maharaj what happened otherwise that poor fellow is going to get into trouble here what happens at the at the uh, uh, in this uh, castle shivaji maharaj is giving a bath to his guru he gives a bath cleans him thoroughly so when he is touching his back he can see those marks on his body he keeps quiet after some time when he has given him some nice clothes and stuff to wear puts him on the throne and maharaj is taking when at that point in time after some time guruji is taking a little nap he goes and catches this fellow and says i want to know what exactly happened who has beaten my guruji so <laughs> this fellow says i don't know if you don't tell me you see i'm going to leave my food now you maharaj is going to leave the food with how so he says no no i will tell you mar you know guruji has said i'm not supposed to tell the story he says if you don't tell the story i'll commit suicide then all people will come and catch you <laughs> so he gets more scared finally he says okay okay i will tell you what happened and then he tells the story ki there we were going for this and then in the middle of the field we took this uh, kanas as we call it i don't know uh, corn and i was eating it and that fellow came and beat guruji up now it so happens that when guruji is being beaten up why guruji has not said because he doesn't want to say anything what shivaji maharaj does is every day he has got this satsangs going on baja gaja all the things you know he's he's put his guruji on the throne remember the story where uh, swami samarth tells uh, shivaji maharaj you have to go back to the kingdom okay that story you all know now this is the next part of the story so what happens is at that point in time shivaji maharaj sends a word to the village where this thing had happened he says all those farmers and everybody from the village including the patil of the village they better come otherwise i'll see after such a threat from the king naturally they they are all scared so this farmer is very scared he says now my time has come i am supposed to go now so finally he comes to maharaj so in that congregation samarth ramdas sees this farmer coming so when the farmer is being brought inside by the two sipahi ramdas samarth ramdas looks at shivaji and says you know this farmer he he is having this patch of land but he is a he is a very poor farmer that farmer he is not owning the land the land is owned by somebody else can you write a an uh, in a um, now uh, what do you call that uh, a will uh, what what do you call that a document which says 
that the farm land is given to this fellow. Okay. So Shivaji Maharaj is looking at him. What is he? What is my guru talking? Yeah. So, so he says, he says, Guruji, this whole kingdom is yours. Everything is yours. You can do whatever you want to. So he says, I am ordering you to write that. So Shivaji Maharaj brings a piece of paper, writes on it that the land now belongs to this person, puts a stamp over there and gives it to Swami Samarth. Swami Samarth calls this fellow nearby and says, Oh, here is the land for you. Now everybody is wondering why is this happening? So that time, the king asks Swami Samarth, this person beat you up. I was going to kill him. Why should he be alive? He has done so many wrong things in this world. So at that time, Swami Samarth says something. He says to Shivaji Maharaj, he says, everybody thinks in this way. The whole world thinks like this only. What is the fault of this person? The fault of my devotee who went and robbed his corn. Why should he be penalized? Naturally, if I am taking something from somebody, I need to be punished, isn't it? So, I was being punished by him and I accepted the punishment. But he says, Guruji, you did not rob anything. He says, so what if I have not robbed? I was proxy to it. I was near to it, isn't it? Though I had told my devotee not to take the corn, yet he went and did this thing. So, he should not be you know, naturally I am responsible because I take the onus of that. So naturally, oh, is it frozen or something? Now, Swami Samarth is a person who is full of effulgence and knowledge. So he doesn't punish that person. Knowing fully well that this was caused by Maya alone. Understand, in the material world, everything is under the domain of Maya. There isn't anything which happens in the domain of the self. This is what the knowledge has to be. So, did Swami Samarth do anything when the person was beating him? He did not do anything. He kept quiet. Similarly, when the king was trying to punish this person, what did he do? Again, he kept quiet. He did not say anything. On the contrary, he told the king, please give this person the land. Normally, when we are affected by any other person, we are always thinking reverse of it. The sages do not bother about these kind of things. So, understand this. Those who are under the delusion will always think positive where there is negative happening and negative when there is positive happening. We always want to go towards the other side. So suppose there is no money, we want to compensate it by money. Where there is money, then we want to spend it. So it is always like that, no right to left, left to right. Whereas the person who is always dwelling in the self doesn't involve himself in any action per se. 
so so you have to understand that this is exactly how we have to live in this material world what would you what would you do if somebody says something bad to you oh it's not that you are supposed to say anything good to that person or do something no what did swami samat ramdas did he just took all the beating and walked away from there he just took the beating and walked away from there he did not attempt anything whereas in our normal world we would have beaten that fellow up or something like that we would have done this is how we always behave and maya itself is ignorance those who have understood the significance of the gita already know that they only appear two words while there is no difference in their meaning the two words are ignorance that is avidya or what we call as ignorance or knowledge these two things are there jnana or adnyana that elision mark and arjun had said the same to shri krishna at the beginning of the 11th chapter that the supreme mystery the discourse concerning the self which thou has given out of grace for me by this my bewilderment is gone from me that means the confusion that i was having is now no longer there that means i understand so the self effulgent people the effulgent opens up the ignorance is removed and that is why it is called self realization realizing the self self means me realizing means i understand i understand this is what it means now in that per present new chapter let us relate the amazing account about how baba formally established kaka sahib dikshit in shirdi in the beginning so now we are going to proceed with the story listen to it all from the beginning as to how this preordained link that is rinanubandha rinanubandha is happening because of our previous life everybody comes together in the circle again and again and again because we are connected by means of rind we are connected by means of our karmic loops okay that is rinanubandha which shirdi and his associate and steadfast connection with sai was responsible for the event young and old already know many stories of kaka sahib but <coughs> but everyone does not know how he initially came to shirdi <coughs> grace of god is a matter of previously accumulated merit and it leads to the meeting with the sadguru which in turn brings the disciple to a blissful joy of self realization it is in this context that the chapter will describe to the listeners three tales about the rare good fortune of the three devotees listening to which the hearts of the listeners will be filled with joy crores of other means of attaining the spiritual progress will not help unless the sadguru bestows his grace so first it is the grace of god second is the grace of the guru listen to the sweet tale with the same purport it will satisfy the fond desire of the listeners and in their minds will develop a strong wish for attaining their own will may the listeners listen attentively to the most purifying and the beneficial chapter which brings great satisfaction to the guru devotee hari sitaram dikshit remembered with love and respect by all sai devotees was well known by the name of kaka sahib and it is in this past account which is so delightful to the well informed connoisseur that i shall present present respectfully to the eager and the faithful devotee for their pleasure he who has not even known the name sai till the year 1909 became a great well known devotee of sai later on 
many years had passed after the completion of the university education where nana saheb chandorkar once visited him at lonawala lonawala is very next to pune dikshit was his old friend and they were meeting after many years they had talked about each other's joys and sorrows in the city of london as dikshit was getting into the public transport vehicle his foot slipped and the injury caused to the leg could not be set right even by a hundred different remedies he had tried the topic of that element casually cropped up during conversation when nana suddenly recollected sai baba's power in that context do you sincerely feel that the lameness of the leg should go completely then come to my guru's darshan said nana to him at that time this is a very common approach which every human being takes you want to put faith in somebody then you think that there some miracle should happen over there understand to establish faith people go towards miracle we run towards miracle somebody is doing some miracle so we want to run towards that person this is a very common way of looking at life so naturally the person is telling him see your leg is not working no so please come and meet baba maybe your leg will start working finally nana then gladly narrated to dikshit and thing of a great marvel everything about sai and about the great powers of the greatness of saint my man however far away he may be from me even beyond the seven seas i will at once draw him to see to me as a sparrow is pulled with a string tied to her such such were always baba's word and to explain further nana added unless you belong to baba you will never be attracted to him it is always the circle which is right round that particular great person that the circle gets attracted towards it so the people who are in that particular circle will always get attracted towards that sage or the saint you will never have his darshan if you are not his own only when you are his own that you will be able to connect with him. and this itself is baba's surest mark you can never go there all of you on your own will so nobody on their own will can reach baba or the sages it's only if you belong to their circle that you will come in connect with them so on hearing sai's darshan a description dikshit felt great satisfaction in his mind he said to nana i will take nana i will take baba's darshan oh what is the importance of this leg of mine after all this whole body is destructible may the deformity of the leg remain for any length of time i am not worried about it so this person is a great devotee of baba so imagine he is saying i don't want this leg to be the cause of me going over there so there should be no such thing as a miracle which is attracting me towards that if devotion is all that i care for then there should be no preconditions so understand this unconditional love that is what is all that is needed if you if we feel that oh krishna you should give me this oh baba you should give me that oh ram you should give me this then only i will come to your temple that is a precondition never have this kind of preconditions because they are never going to work if you are a part of their circle you will always go over there when it is required all right so <clears throat> if i go for my guru's darshan it is to attain the blissful moksha i do not desire these trivial pleasures and i do not entreat them there is no happiness other than the brahma 
that is the one and the only valuable pleasure and for this one priceless pleasure i will become your guru's servant let the lameness of the leg remain about that i am not bothered but bring this lame weak mind of mine to its proper state this is a very beautiful way of putting it that means can my mind which is lost in the world of maya come to the feet of the guru i don't want this maya to attract me constantly it is not a right thing for me to do so remove the lameness of the mind i don't want the lameness of this leg to be removed <coughs> doing upasana i am wearied out and yet my mind does not remain firm and steady everybody has a weak mind isn't it that is why it is called asthir asthir is unsteady we have very asthir mind <coughs> with great effort i try to keep it under control but it slips away unknown to me firmly resolving in the mind however alert i may keep there is no saying when it will give up the slip such is the puzzle of the mind and hence nana i will take your guru's darshan with all my heart and will entreat him to remove the lameness of my mind sai has the greatest pleasure and the enthusiasm for the spiritual welfare of him who being disinterested in the pleasure of the mortal body has great fondness for the highest bliss those days the only subject everywhere was the forthcoming election of the legislative council and many people were engaged in this work at different places kaka sahib too was meeting friends to gather public support for his candidature and in connection with the work quite unexpectedly he came to amadnagar there was one sardar there called kaka sahib mirikar with whom dikshit was on friendly and cordial terms so he stayed at his place at that same time an exhibition of horses was held at amadnagar for which various people were engaged in work bala sahib mirikar the mamladar of kopargaon who had also come to amadnagar for it the work for which dikshit had come was finished and he began to think how can my visit to shirdi be arranged who will take me up there and so on as soon as the work there was over his thought turned to shirdi and the only preoccupation of the mind now was to have the opportunity of baba's darshan dikshit was very much worried as to who will come with me and take me forward to present me at baba's feet as soon as the election work was over dikshit began to worry about going to shirdi and began asking mirikar very eagerly regarding this i will have to mute it Oh, Rajesh, we mute. Okay. So, Baba Sahib was the son of Kaka Sahib Mirikar, and so they both began to deliberate as to who should accompany Dikshit. As if one of them were going to go, no other companion would be needed. So they began to think, who between them should definitely go with him. The plans. the the plan a man makes has human limitations we all make plans you know and our plans are always fraught with lot of problems so suppose you want to join something like say say for example today people those who want to join the satsang will definitely join but those who are not supposed to join will not join so even if they try their level best it may so happen that it is not destined for them to come for that particular event So in the same way, this is how it's always planned. So <clears throat> the plans make man have human limitation, while God's plans are altogether different. For Dikshit's visit to Shirdi, as unexpected thing happened, 
Here Dikshit had a restless agitation of mind and there as another place there was a different kind of movement. Seeing such a keen desire of the devotee for the darshan, Samarth himself was moved by compassion. Worried and thoughtful, as Dikshit sat, Madhavarao himself arrived at Ahmadnagar to the astonishment of all. Madhavarao's father-in-law wired him from Ahmadnagar that his mother-in-law was very serious and that he should come with his family to meet her. On receiving the telegram, he at once prepared to leave and on obtaining Baba's permission too, both he and his wife went to the Chitrali station. They caught the 3 o'clock train and went to Ahmadnagar. The Tonga stopped at the door and both got down. Meanwhile, Nana Sahib Panse and Apa Sahib Gadre happened to pass that way and at that very moment on their way to the exhibition, quite unexpectedly they saw Madhavara alighting and were both very much surprised but they could hardly contain their joy. They said, just see what a stroke of luck that Madhavara, the Badwa of Shirdi, Shirdi would be there. Badwa is a person who is involved in prayers and all those you know things. They are called Badways. Even Barve or Balve and all that. Okay. Who could be a better person than him than to take Dikshit to Shirdi? Then calling out to him, they said, Dikshit Kaka has come to Mirikar's house. Go and see for yourself Baba's marvelous Leela. Dikshit is a remarkable friend of ours. You will also be introduced to him and since he is very eager to go to Shirdi, he will be happy for you coming here. So saying to him, they also gave the news to Dikshit on hearing which his worry was removed and he felt very happy. As he went to the father-in-law's house, he found the mother-in-law was well. Madhara rested a little. When Mirikar sent for him, in deference to the invitation as the sun went down a little, Madhara went to meet Dikshit. Now you will find that it was mentioned that the mother-in-law was ill and when he went over there, nothing was wrong with her. So you will find that these kind of funny situations are created by the sages so that they can draw the people around. And that is the reason why this whole, you know, this special kind of a thing appears. Alright. That was their first meeting. Bala Sahib introduced them to each other and they both made a firm plan to going to Shirdi by the train at 10 o'clock that night. Having decided thus, just see the wonder thereafter. Bala Sahib moved aside the curtain of Baba's picture. This was Baba's photograph which Megha, Baba's steadfast devotee, used to worship with a loving devotion. Regarding him to be God Shankar of the Three Eyes and because its glass had broken, it had initially been taken from Shirdi for Ahmadnagar with Bala Sahib to be repaired. This was the same photograph which was now being repaired, seems to have been waiting only for Dikshit as it was kept in Mirika's drawing room covered with a piece of cloth. There was still some time before Bala Sahib could return after the horses exhibition was over and hence it was entrusted to Madhavarao to be taken to Shirdi. After removing the covering, it was left open and entrusted to Madhavarao when Mirikar said, go happily to Shirdi in Baba's company. Baba's company is a photograph which had come. Okay? As the most marvelous photograph came before his eyes for the first time, Kaka Sahib was filled with joy and having made obeisance kept gazing at it. On seeing such a strange event, as also the beautiful sacred picture of Sai Samar, so unexpectedly, Dikshit's eyes were bewitched. Then on the way itself, the very figure of him, whose darshan was desired so keenly, should come before the eyes, was something that gave him great pleasure. And then again, that it should have come from Shirdi to Kaka Sahib Mirikar's house, when Dikshit too happened to be there, was a coincidence most strange. 
as if Sainath had himself come under the pretext to the house of his devotee Mirikar to satisfy the wishes in Dikshit's mind. The meeting with Nana Sahib at Lonawala and the conversation with him there was itself the beginning of Baba's magnetism. When the seed of the meeting was him was sown, why else should this photo from Shirdi come here at this very time and remain covered for so long at his place? However, having planned thus, taking the photograph with him, Madhav Rao and Dikshit set out for Shirdi very happily. The same night after dinner, both went to the station and purchased second class tickets, which they took with them. The rattling of the train was heard at the stroke of 10 and they saw that the second class compartment was packed to capacity. In the face of this difficulty, both grew very worried. Moreover, little time was left at the departure of the train. What arrangements could now be done? You see, in olden times, you used to take the second class or the third class ticket and then you have to get inside that sort of a cattle type of a compartment. You know, everybody is squeezing inside. There was no place to sit. Even in the olden times, there were very few trains and there was no place to sit. But nowadays, we have all these booking and compartments which are allotted. Everything is allocated properly. But at that time, there was no such type of a thing. That thing was there only in the first class compartments at that point in time. Okay? And so on perceiving the crowd, both decided to go back to their respective places and go to Shirdi the next day. Suddenly, Dikshit found quite unexpectedly that he knew the guard of the train, who made arrangements for them to sit in the first class compartment quite comfortably. Later on, after boarding the train, stories of Baba flowed freely and to their heart's content. Madhara narrated the nectar sweet stories and Dikshit was overcome with joy as he listened. In this way, time passed quickly during the journey, being occupied with varied pleasures. The train reached Kopargaon and when they both got down very happily, at that time, Dikshit was most happy to see Nana Sahib at the station. Both were meeting each other most unexpectedly. As it happens, he was also going to Shirdi to take Baba's darshan. And all there was quite astonished at this unexpected conjugation of circumstances. Everything falls exactly the way it is supposed to fall. You will find that when you have to go, everything will fall in the right place. Otherwise, when it is not required for you to go, you will find you will have the most difficult time of your life to even reach the destination. It is extremely tough for you to land up at that location. But when the divine calls, everything will fall in its place. Right from, say, booking of your ticket to the compartment to the place that you are going to sit in, the place that you are going to get off, the people that are um, with you, the company of the people that are surrounding you, everything is being arranged in such wonderful way. That is the reason why it is said like that. At that time, Dikshit was most happy to see Nana Sahib at the station. Both were meeting each other most unexpectedly. As it happened, he was going to Shirdi to take Baba's darshan. And all the three were quite astonished at this unexpected conjugation of circumstances. The three of them then hired a tonga and set out conversing with each other. On the way, they bathed in the Godavari and thus arrived in Holy Shirdi. Later on, taking Sai's darshan, Dikshit's heart melted with love. The eyes filled with tears and the water of self-rejoicing flowed freely and profusely. Sai then said very clearly to him, I too waited for you and then sent Shamya straight to Nagar to meet you. So Baba says to him, See, I was also waiting for you. Why do you think you are the only one waiting for me? Uh, is, is the net okay? Alright. 
with powerful emotions that hair on dikshit's body stood an end the throat choked with flood of tears the heart became elated as perspiration broke out the over the body the body quivered imperceptibly the mind became self absorbed and the eyes opened and the profusion of joy that crowded in them today my eyes are fulfilled so saying he embraced baba's feet his heart felt blessed and the entire creation could not contain his joy many years passed thereafter full faith was reposed in sai's feet he attained sai's grace totally and he offered his body in sai's service he also built a house to be able to serve baba properly for many years he stayed in shirdi and spread sai's greatness in short one who desires the darshan will certainly have his wishes fulfilled sai is the abode of peace and rest to the devotees and brings them greatest happiness there are many chakor birds longing for the moon but there is only one moon to them all similarly though a mother may have many sons there is only one mother to all of them to the sun there are many lotuses but to the lotus there is only one sun to your devotee there is no limit but you are their only father and guruvar numerous satak birds long for the cloud but there is only one cloud to the chatakas similarly he has many devotees but he is the only father and the mother all those who are easily surrendered with good feelings he not only protects their honor but lovingly takes their work to successful completion this can be seen even today after his nirgyan in this world death puts an end to the life of every living creature but to dikshit sai made a promise i will take you away in the aeroplane now in the aeroplane in the sense you will find that there are very few people who have the opportunity to actually go in the celestial aeroplane aeroplane matlab vimana as we call it in the past the vimanas were very famous isn't it you'll find that in during shri ram's time and all the vimanas were there so people like tukaram people like mirabai and now we are talking of this other person over here so all of them have to now go so as were the sai's words so was dikshit sen even as he was singing sai's praises this i have seen with my own eyes while we were both sitting on a berth in a train engrossed in the story of sai samar he seemed to have been quickly lifted up in an aeroplane see how he suddenly availed of the right moment and resting his neck on my shoulder unexpectedly got in the plane and attained the boundless lasting happiness the person dies very smoothly as if you know resting there is no turning or twisting of the body no rattling in the throat no pain while walking and talking normally the body just becomes still and lifeless in front of everyone in this way he let go of the human body and merged the flame of the life and that of the self in an instant at the end since the mind was absorbed at sai's feet his bodily ego was completely shed his mind was an absolute offering to god it was on the ekadashi day in the dark fortnight of the lunar month in the month of jeshth that is may june in the year 1926 that dikshit arranged uh, attained to brahmapad abandoning this earth you may call it death or that of an aeroplane coming for him but he merged at sai's feet and this will be accepted by anyone he who feels that he can repay the debt of this kind should really be regarded as the one without faith and devotion but for this debt cannot be repaid even in the dream by giving anything that is visible in this world so if you try to give the chintamani you will only add forever to the worries and if you think that you are giving it to you you have repaid him who gives this inconceivable 
your reasoning is childish so for that person who is not in a position to understand he thinks that you know there is some favor being done for such a person you have to understand there is no favor being done the guru is being very kind to the person he takes that particular person with him whether to bring him towards him or to take him away these are the two things that are there in the hand of that guru and even if you offer the kalpaturu to the guru the guru is himself skilled in giving a thing which is unchangeable and unparalleled how can that be repaid so there is no way of repaying the guru suppose in case if you are thinking in terms of suppose if you are thinking in terms of repayment the repayment can never be done by means of anything in this world so at that point in time whatever that you are getting is a part of the grace it is grace only there is nothing beyond grace at that point in time now over and above all this if you give the paris to the guru that paris will only transform into scintillating gold whereas the guru will give you the bliss of the brahma to drink if you offer kamadenu to the guru and feel that you have repaid his debt you will only increase toil the guru who is himself free from desire and gives that which involves no toil or trouble those who wish to repay the guru's beneficence by offering him all the wealth in the world and thus offer what is myik or illusory to him who gives what is not illusory but real can they ever repay him by doing so so there is no way of saying you know that i have repaid my guru in any kind even if the body be given in offering to the guru the body is too but mortal and even if the jiva be surrendered to him it is in, in itself illusory sadguru is the giver of the true the real thing by offering the sadguru illusory things how can they they giver repay him it is just impossible hence with a single minded devotion and faith prostrating in obeisance worship the sadguru's feet by bowing your head on them and remembering with gratitude his beneficence to remember the debt of the guru constantly in order an ornament to the disciple while those disciples who try to repay it only lose their own happiness having heard the story so far the listeners are now thirsting for more and seeing their eager curiosity i shall narrate one more story uh, i think we should stop here because most of the people you know the net is dropping or something is happening so please stop over here